It's episode 46 of the Pete Primo Show. Welcome, Carson Hetty. He is going to help us light your sales on fire. And he is the author of Salesman on Fire. And before we get started with Carson, we are just going to pay the bills really quick. Sell a million. 101 tips for furniture and mattress store owners to sell another million dollars or more this year. Guys, this is not a sales book. It is a marketing book. It is how to get customers into your store more often and more frequently. So with that said, I have to pay the bills with one more announcement. And that is to say hi to my friends at the Mattress Industry Network. It is the only Facebook group that I know that's exclusively for the mattress industry. And it is run by retailers for retailers. They help to build, market, sell, and succeed in the mattress industry. This group not only has other retailers, small retailers, big retailers, medium-sized retailers, also has manufacturer VPs of sales, manufacturer owners. Uh, it is a great place. If you're in the mattress industry, join uh, Mattress Industry Network today. You will be thankful for it. And remember to tell them that Pete sent you. Carson, good morning and welcome. Pete, it's good to see you again. How are you? Thanks for having me. It's good to see you again. Now, my guest is a humble guy, but I'm not going to let him stay too humble because we are going to extract some of the wealth from his from his prodigious brain. Now, Salesman on Fire, if you guys haven't gotten this book, you need to get it. But I would be remiss if I didn't tell you that he also wrote Sales, A Salesman Forever, Birth of a Salesman, The Salesman Against the World. You are very, very productive with, I mean, I've only written one book. Carson, it almost killed me, dude. <laughs> Four books and counting. Uh, am I missing one? No, you got them. All four. I got, I got them. Good. Good. Yeah, you nailed them. So I have to say this. This has been a joy and a gift that you have given us. Um, most sales books are so do this, do that. I actually, these are not, this is, this is a novel guys. This is, this is a novel and inside of it blended in to the drama of poor Vincent being just tortured by a crazy boss and all kinds of stuff and friends that betray him and all kinds of drama that is just incredibly well done. Um, there are golden nuggets in there. And so, you know, the title of the show today is Light Your Sales on Fire. Um, I guess we can't really talk about that, Carson, without kind of uh, talking about where we are right now as a uh, uh, in, in our industries, in, in, in our world, and what's happened in the world. None of us are immune from any of the things that are, are going on. Um, one of the things that I've tried to do in my group is really stay positive and try to keep everybody around me positive because 
you know, if, if you watch the news too much of it, you will just absolutely put yourself into a situation where you're not really able to help your customer because, you know, you're just, you're, you're absorbing. So how does, you know, you're, you're, you're unusual in that you are in the game fully, Carson. You are not selling your sales training. You are a warrior. You are out there and you are in the middle of it right now today. And you also find time to mentor us through your books and your podcasts and your blog and everything that you do on LinkedIn. Anybody here that's on LinkedIn, if you're not connected to Carson Hetty, please connect to Carson because he's an amazing human being. And there's so much value to be gained. Uh, one of the things that comes through again and again, Carson, um, and it has nothing to do with selling, but it has everything to do with selling. And that is kindness. And I know for anybody that you know tuned in here and they wanted red meat and how to sell more, we'll get there. But... You're always kind, Carson, and it's striking to me. And, you know, I, I saw something, it was posted on LinkedIn actually, and it said, you know, if you, if you want to, uh, if you want to do something for the world that they truly need right now, be kind. And I thought, boy, isn't that the truth? You know, sometimes we like to put our opinions and our views onto other people uh, to the exclusion of, of being kind first. And, where does that come from, Carson? Because you are truly different. Well, that's good, right? I, and we all are. We're all truly different. And I think the only thing that maybe I've done that maybe others haven't done yet is discover how can I use what is unique about me or what is a unique strength to not only have results, but replicate that and and help other people uh, in that process. That's what I've really strived to do. Um you know, from, so where does kindness come from? I mean, I think it just, it comes from that genuine desire and ability and willingness to, um, amplify everyone around you. Um, you know, I realized years ago, the things that I was good at and certainly the things that I'm not, and I've really tried to, you know, we were talking not too long ago, Pete, and I made the comment, double down on people. Like, how can I really invest in relationships meaningfully? That can be with customers. Uh, because look, deals, we get so caught up as sellers on deals. Deals are a byproduct of a relationship. That's it. It's because you get to, and you stay at the pulse of what matters to your customer. You come in under the pretense of how can I add value immediately? Um, how can I illuminate? this investment or uh, invest in this customer as opposed to just coming in and trying to sell a widget. Um, on the flip side of that, all the people that you surround, I'm always thinking about and coaching my team on, okay, great, you're phenomenal at this. How do we replicate your success and what you're doing across the business? That's how you elevate your personal brand. That's how you get uh, noticed as a collaborator. And that's how you go wherever you want in your career. We have a lot of store owners and, you know, my customers are store owners, but I've attracted, I think, more sales reps than I have store owners unintentionally. So everything that you're saying is so good uh, for our reps, but it's also good for our store owners because what, what's unusual about retail is this. You literally have seconds to establish a rapport 
and then develop as quickly as humanly possible a relationship with your customer. And the better you are at that, the more successful of a store you're going to be. And one of the things that I'm constantly saying is every store has a feeling. And that feeling comes from you, the store owner. If you genuinely care about your people, truly care about your people, truly care about your customers, it comes across and there's a feeling in your store that people want to stay in your store. They want to buy from you and they want to do business with you. And I think that fundamentally comes from doubling down on people. I I love that so much, Carson. Double down on people. Forget about sales. Double down on people in life. Double down on people in every aspect of your life, and you're going to have a happier life. Um, Deals are a byproduct of relationship. They are. Um, you know, the old Zig Ziglar, no one care cares about what you know until they know that you care. You know, that's and and probably Fred Herman said it before Zig Ziglar and he stole it. I, I don't know. God rest both of their souls. Um, but deals are a byproduct of of a relationship, even if that it's a brand new relationship. So one of the things that we're constantly asking is how do you establish a relationship with somebody quickly, Carson. And, you know, you, you buy things every day, you know, every month, I'm sure you, you buy things. You're a consumer, you walk in the stores. What do you see that you think that store owners could do better? Yeah, no, that's a great question, Pete. I, I think what it comes down to is even in a relatively short period of time, how do you interact? How do you interact? Like, you know, if I'm specifically, if I'm in a store and I've got my family and my kids in there, how are you engaging? How are you engaging me, my kids? How are you figuring out like what makes this personal? Make this a make this sale personal. I had a good friend of mine send me a quote the other day that's uh, um, sale is really just a transfer of enthusiasm. So how do you engage the enthusiasm? Enthusiasm of those that you're wanting to develop this relationship with. You know, people do business because of uh, because of a trust level. Now, I've worked in environments in retail, one call close environments on cold calls, and in enterprise sales where the sales cycle was two, three, four, five years. So, um, you know, I, I think the commonality. And all of that is that whatever timeline you get, uh, you've got to make sure you get to and stay at the pulse of what matters to the other person. And without doing that, you're not going to be able to uh, gain any of their trust uh, or certainly transfer any of your enthusiasm. Plus, you're not going to be able to ascertain if what you have to offer aligns with any of the needs or gaps uh, that they have. And that's why you've got to develop a rapport very quickly. Um, so from a store ownership perspective, it's one element is how am I engaging the people that are coming in? Also, how am I broadening that? And how am I going to follow up with the people that are coming in and leaving? And also, how am I going to build a community around what I do? Um, that's where I've seen the most success in a retail environment is thinking about building a community around what I've done, um, whether it's uh, making you know events, 
uh, forming up newsletters, uh, getting, you know, soliciting for ideas uh, from the people that have come into my store. Uh, what matters most to this community? How can I truly add value? And being at the Pulse, maybe you, uh, you know, sponsor things that are near and dear to your community's heart. There's a litany of ways to do it, but think about how you build a community around what you want to achieve with the people that you ultimately want to do business with. Now it's beyond selling, right? Now you're actually even going into marketing, uh, which is fantastic. So think about this as a store owner. What can I do to build community in, in, in the area that we serve that is different than anyone else? And forget about that. Let's just take it a different direction. What does this community really need? And what am I passionate about? And what can me and, and my organization bring to this community that strengthens this com community, makes it better, a better community? Um, you know, you said it so fast. I just don't want it to get by anybody. Uh, here's something that virtually no store owners do. And I, I actually mentioned it in my, in my book, and that's newsletters. You, a newsletter... It's great if you can do them physically, but they can be cost prohibitive. So even if you can't do it physically, you can do it by email. Uh, you can do an easing, which is kind of a throwback to the past, right? But you know, Jeffrey Gittimer built his whole business on an easing that was sent out every Friday, right? <laughs> so newsletters are very important, and I'm going to give you a free tip. I spent $400 for a course. I'm not going to tell you who it's by. It was worth every penny. If I would have paid $2,000, it would have still been a great buy for me because I've been able to make substantially more than that over the course of the last 10 years that I've used it. And that is this. And it sounds so counterintuitive. A newsletter should be 85% other stuff and 15% stuff about you and your business. So that includes recipes, that includes crossword puzzle, that includes fun facts, that includes anything about anything, cool quotes, holidays that are coming up, reminders, turn your clock back, turn your clock forward, don't touch your clock, you live somewhere now that you don't have to. Um, have fun with your newsletters, but remember, the key to engagement on newsletters is they need to be about other things that people like to engage with and just 15% about you and your store. And you will build, uh, that will help you to build community unlike anything that you probably ever tried. And potentially... Um, I could see segmenting your list and uh, maybe your very best customers get a physical newsletter and everybody else gets an email newsletter once a month. So play around with that. You could uh, use both of them and be very effective. That leads me into this. Um, events. Create an event that is special to your store. Um, 
And it doesn't have to be about your story. It could be about a charity that you are absolutely all in on, passionate about, believe it. And uh, you, you do a charity event that just happens to have your store's name attached to it. The key to it is that you really are passionate about it. You really care. And that comes across in everything that you say and do. But creating events uh, leaves your other retailers in a position where they have to scratch their heads and go, now what? Because they can't piggyback on that because what you did was unique and different from from everybody else. And I guess that goes back to, you know, Knowing your marketplace, knowing your competition, shopping your competition. Uh, this character that is in your book, Vincent Scott, is the consummate professional, absolute consummate professional. No, understands the business uh, that he's in, understands uh, the psychology of selling, understands uh, a lot of uh, of things. So. It fundamentally starts with just some basic things, and that is, what is the customer experience at other stores? When you shop the other store, what is it like? Is it is it different than yours? How is it different? Do they say, just, do you want to just look around? Because when you say, can I help you? That's what you're saying. You want to just look around. <laughs> um, what are their greetings? What, how do they advertise? You know, what are their product offerings? How do they price things? What are their what are their services? And then Carson said it so quickly that it would almost escape you. Gaps. Everything's a gap analysis. Sooner or later, everything's a gap analysis. And it doesn't matter if you sell wholesale or retail. Um, where is my where is my competitor allowing an unmet need that my customer really needs your point. And so I'm going to let you go because I'm hogging all the airtime, which I do. I love it. You nailed it. I, I've got a friend of mine who's a, who's an author as well, Pat Tenney. Um, and he's written a few books, like the bonus round. He made a comment, you know, he talks about doing a SWOT analysis on your competition, find those areas where they're not strong because look, Everybody is setting out to do something great, right? So um, the key element is you're not necessarily going to go toe to toe with a competitor that has that's stronger at their strength than you are. However, if you identify where they're weak, where there's an area of opportunity, um, and you can fill that gap, that may be the the impetus to a lot of your relationships. So I loved how you highlighted the importance of you know, you know doing kind of that uh, that analysis of where these gaps are, but also highlighting where your competition is. Because the key element in everything you do is that you do want to stand out. Um, you, know, you were talking about all these great ideas around newsletters. You know, when I started, when I worked in retail, uh, one of the key elements that we had to do was we got to find a way to capture the people that are coming into the store, having some kind of way, obviously, to get them to opt in, but where I can re-engage. Uh, it could be as simple as an email, newsletter, could be you know a text message, could be whatever it is, uh, but having some kind of me methodology of reaching out to them. I loved how you highlighted some of the different things that you can do with newsletters, because here's the thing. You don't want your newsletter to be like everything else that's out there, because that's what gets them deleted. 
You've got to have something that makes sure that, hey, this is, I want to keep coming back for this. Um, and so maybe you reach out and you have people in the community that you're you're talking to or that you're featuring. Um, you've got the, uh, you know, the, the double down on the charity element. Like what's, what's my community care about? How can I be a part of that solution and be part of that starting a conversation around it? So I think that's the key element. But um, I thought it was a really important point that you made around the competitive landscape because if you can find a strength in the weakness of an, of a comp, of a competitor, uh, that can be a great area that you can develop relationships and fruitful ones at that. I want to explore SWOT analysis very quickly. Uh, we have a mutual f- friend and and Patrick Tinney. I just beyond friendship. I, I just love the dude. He's amazing. Just, just I love, lo- love him. Love his heart. Lo- love his brain. Lo- love how he thinks about sales. Love how he cares. Love his passion. Um, but SWOT analysis is is something that I just want to spend two to three minutes on. It, if, if you're not familiar with that term, just write down SWOT and S-W-O-T and then strengths your strengths and your competitor's strengths, your weaknesses and your competitor's weaknesses, opportunities both for you and you might really, if you can get all the way in the other person's shoes, see opportunities for them as well. And then threats, threats to your business, but also threats to your competitor's business. So SWOT analysis is basic business, you probably already do it, but that structure allows you to have some discipline as you approach it. So strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, threats, anything you want to say about SWAT before I move on from that? Doing this exercise really, first off, I mean, obviously spending the time thinking about it, but putting it down and then starting to think about business differently, like as in going after the threat or the area of opportunity that a competitor has, there's a strength in that to be able to first off identify it, but then also to form a plan of action around a gap that you've identified. And it, it just opens up a whole new way of doing business, of creation of relationships that um, you may not have had otherwise. I remember Remember, again, starting out in retail, um, creating a list. And then I started thinking about, okay, I've got this list. Let me start creating a community around what I do. Nobody else was doing these things. And don't get me wrong. Um, we weren't the you know the best in business. We we had you know competitors that were really strong at certain things, but we stood out because of the proactive approach that we were taking to create this community around what we did, spotlight people, um, you know, get aligned to causes that we believed in. And if you, it, it's not there's no one size fits all. There's no silver bullet. It's a comprehensive strategy. But using SWAT at the core of it, when you're formulating your strategy and your go to market strategy, just gives you a leg up. Yeah, yeah, it it does. One of the things that I loved about this book, Salesman on Fire, is that Vincent was so aware of his competition and he maintained relationships with potential competitors. And I think that's where we separate the men from the boys. I really do. And the woman from the girls. I really do. I I believe that 
sometimes, you know, when we first come in and we're young and we, you know, we want to win and all that. Great. I understand that. I'm the most competitive human being you'll ever meet. We start to turn inwards instead of unfolding outwards. And uh, just telling quick story. There was an old guy who was right next to me. He was my competitor. He was having a hard time putting his bed frames together. I had finished putting everything together. I was complete. I could walk away, have lunch. I was hungry, but this old guy was struggling. So I put together his bed frames. He was my competitor. He And, and within two hours, I was going to be pitching against him. But I helped him and I helped him get his boxes set up and I helped him get his mattresses set up. And three weeks later, he became my boss. Think that was a good move? Did I, did I know he was going to be my boss? I had no idea. That started, that was the first step in many to a relationship between two human beings that lasted a lifetime. And so... What I'm going to say to everybody, and I want Carson to weigh in on this too, because it's important, is, you know, be aware of everything and don't say this to yourself. I'm good. They're bad. No, they're not bad. They're a human being just like you, trying to make a living just like you. And they might be just as honest and just as good of a human being as you are. And I would assume that they are until they prove me other until they prove otherwise. But get to know your competitors. Be friends with your competitors. You don't have to give them the secret sauce to your company. That would be an infringement on the trust that you have with your company, and that would be unethical. But what I'm telling you is you need to be friends with your competitors because there will come a time where they don't want a customer for a hundred different reasons, and it's a perfectly good customer that they could give to you. And this is both at retail and wholesale, both. I The smartest retail operators I know are best friends with their competitors and they swap customers back and forth. They help each other. I'm going to let you weigh in, Carson. Bravo. I love that you said that. I love the story. And look, here's the other thing too. And thank you first off for the commentary around Salesman on Fire. I think one thing that I want to point out about Vincent is that he goes through quite a transformation. He started out, he was a young whippersnapper. He was very selfish and singularly focused. And you know, he spent a lot of time focused on building his own craft. But the one thing that I would recommend to anybody out there is Anybody that you see out there that's a competitor or, you know, even if they're an internal competitor, let's say you're a seller and you're up against somebody who's better than you, quote unquote, at a certain metric, there's something you can learn from everyone. Um, you know, I would always go out and try to find if somebody was better than me at something, I always went out and found them. How are you doing this? What are you doing that, that helps you deliver in this metric? Because very rarely is somebody else doing something that, or you're doing something that's going to take food off the other person's table. So why not go out there and figure out how you can help each other or add value for each other? Same thing with competitors. When I was in the retail space years ago, uh, one of the key elements that I would always focus on is just like you said, having friends at some of these other locations. Because here's why. Let's say something comes into my shop that I can't necessarily handle or it's not the right fit for me. 
So let me go out and find somebody proactively that I can send those types of leads to and those relationships. And then vice versa, it's a symbiotic relationship. When they have something similar, uh, similar situation that maybe it's not their bread and butter customer, but they can or want to send them your way, they will. They'll reciprocate. But it's an investment that you're making. Is it going to work every time? No. Sometimes it's a leap of faith, but it's an investment that you're making in that relationship. Um, I had all the time, I would send uh, customers that I had or that came to me to my competitor because it was the right mix. It was the right thing to do. I spent some time with them and I was able to very quickly figure out, hey, this is something that uh, my competitor will be better at. Um, I'll send you directly to the person. And guess what? That did multiple things. First off, with the customer, it made me a trusted resource. It made me a trusted advisor because I wasn't just trying to sell them something. The other thing that it did is it invested in that relationship with the competitor so that we had that symbiotic relationship of of sharing uh, customers and figuring out, you know, when something fit better for that person, um, it went that route. Now, eventually, similarly, uh, this person offered me a job at one point too. So it also has broader ramifications on career. You never know where people are going to go. And I think that's the key is why we've got to scale it back sometimes. Take a step back and realize that everyone's a person. How can I invest in this relationship with you as a human being? How can I add value for you? And even if I can't today, we may not figure out all the ways that we can solve the problems of the world today, but now we're connected and maybe down the road we'll be able to uh, to do that. So I think that's the mentality and the mindset we have to take to every relationship, every interaction. Thank you, Carson. That was excellent. Okay, it's story time, guys. I'm going to read you a chapter of my book. Don't panic, Carson. It'll only take about two minutes. <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm here to learn. Chapter 50, you know, I approach everything the same exact way. Chapter 55, publish a newsletter. Page 85. The printed and mailed newsletter is, I believe, the most useful tool in maintaining relationships with customers and keeping them interested in you, your business, your products, and services. Since publications get better readership than sales materials and articles, get more readership than ads, it makes profitable sense to put your message into the format of a publication like a customer newsletter and into the context of articles. Sadly, many uh, store owners are terribly lazy about this and never get their act together to put out a fun quality and interest in newsletter every month. It's hard work. It is. It's not hard. It is hard. It's not hard. And there are many books and resources to help you publish your own customer newsletter. That's true. Make your store's newsletter fun. Do not Commit the worst marketing sin of all, and that is being born. Make the newsletter about your customers 90% or more. Make the newsletter about your store less than 10%. So I corrected myself. I was right the first time in my book. Make the newsletter about anything that is upcoming in your community event should be featured. Remember the newsletter is a great tool to shape your customer's future behavior. So definitely thank customers publicly for behaviors that you want repeated. Think about that. Referrals, testimonials, five-star online reviews. That is the lifeblood of you as a retailer. Make sure you highlight those things in your newsletter. So definitely thank customers publicly for behaviors that you want repeated. Those behaviors are testimonials, five-star consumer site reviews, repeat business, and referrals. Have fun with your newsletter. 
Let your store's personality shine through. Here are a few content tips for your newsletter. Information, education directly linked to your products and services. Photos of successful customers. Customer recognition and appreciation. Thank publicly with their permission first for all testimonials and all referrals. Product and service promotions. Recognize and stimulate referrals. All right. Any charity work your store is involved with. Customer testimonials should always be modeled. Quotes with pictures, recipes, contests, crossword puzzles, cartoons, treat in your employees well publicly. And that is the best one. I saved it for last. Treat in your employees well. I wrote this book in 2015, guys. It's more important than ever to treat your employees well. First of all, forget the business just as a human being. Oh, God bless you, Jeff. What you what you got to say, Jeff? Jeff Janakovo, who is the one guy that doesn't need to be listening to the show. <laughs> That's the way it always goes, Carson. Amen, Pete. Testimonials are so critical. Displaying proof of your work with your customers is paramount. And Jeff had one of his biggest months ever just a month ago. And when I asked him what it was, was there a special promotion, an ad that he could share? It wasn't. It was this testimonial referral, five-star online review that is part of the company culture. They, you know, everybody that buys from Gardner's Mattress and more is asked for a five-star online review. They're asked for testimonials. They're asked and they're rewarded uh, for referrals. So Carson, what say you? Yeah, I mean, you said the word culture, Pete, and that's really at the heart of it. it. You know, the only even thing that I would add to what you just articulated so beautifully is it's all about people. So how do you highlight or empower the people that are working for you? You know, they can be, um, you know, beacons and ambassadors for these newsletters. You know, they can provide the content. Heck, they might even be able to do some of the artwork or the cartoon or whatever it is. Like, get everybody in the boat with you. And that's the key element because that's how you build a team. And that's how you build a culture. Culture is what happens as a result of you empowering your team and, and caring about and doubling down on people. So thinking about what's at the pulse of your customers, but also making sure your team is a big part of that. You know, the newsletter has got to sing and scream like your your organization's culture. That's what you want. Um, you want it to be a portrayal of um, you know what's great about your organization. And then that's the other element, right? It's the stories one. How do I amplify these wonderful stories that we ultimately want to replicate? Here's the great experience that was had. I'm going to highlight a customer. Um, you know, introduce you to their family if they permit. You know, talk about the people in their in their family um, because those are the types of things people you know that resonates. Stories resonate, um, and and the uh, you know everybody wants that feel good uh, story. And I think the more that you do to evangelize that messaging, the better you are. It, it attracts you know the positive attention, but it also enhances and uh, continues to amplify your team's culture. Well, one of the things that happens sometimes um, is our store owners, I have two in particular, love both of them. Carson, they do something that very few store owners do. They actually go out and make the deliveries. And it's a huge point of differentiation. 
And it's like, they won't go out publicly with it. And I'm like, why? Well, you know, I'm just doing my job. And I said, no, you're not. You're going above and beyond. Do you know how many bad reviews I've read? Uh, Forget about the industry, about delivery drivers that reeked of either cigarettes or alcohol uh, that, you know, were sloppy, that tramped the mud through their customers, uh, you know, uh, um, home, really bad experiences when you're the owner and you go out on the truck and you make sure everything is perfect. That is really something to talk about. And I have another guy and it kind of goes, almost goes in the same kind of category, Carson. Um, he does wonderful charity work. And I'm not talking about one or two things. I'm talking about four to six big events every year. And he gets no credit for it, like none. And I'm like, Jim, you're killing me. You're you're absolutely killing me here. I, I go, I know you're not doing it for publicity for your store, but you are doing it. Your store is involved. You, you, you are doing it and you should get credit for it. Well, I just don't want to. So what can you say to these guys? Because I have tried. Steve and Jim, please listen to Carson. He's got something to tell you. I I love that you called that out, Pete. And I think it comes down to the amplification of purpose. Like I realized a long time ago that I wasn't in sales and I didn't write books just to make money. I I did it because it's the, the value that I've gotten out of the relationships over time has been enriching beyond my wildest dreams. So what is that value that you're getting out of going out and doing the deliveries? What, how could you replicate that and maybe inspire others that are in your shoes to do the same thing, which by proxy will enhance your brand, enhance the the brand and reputation of of drivers and delivery drivers everywhere. Like, you know, these are the types of things that transcend the game. I always think about how can you do things that are going to change the game that you're playing in a positive way. Same thing with doing a lot of charity. It isn't necessarily, I, I talk to people all the time and they say, Carson, I'm really bad about uh, you know the self promotion and, and this and that. You wouldn't believe it. I'm very introverted myself. I totally understand where they're coming from, but the key thing is it's not about trying to promote me. It's how can I help others inspire others, influence others to do more, to step out uh, of maybe their comfort zone, to do it better, to do it differently. Because guess what? If you do that and you inspire these folks to do that, or you're really passionate about a charity and you're doing these events, guess what others knowing about your passion is going to do? It's going to be more beneficial for that charity. It's going to get more eyes on what you're doing. It's going to get other business owners thinking about doing things the way you're doing it. It's going to be enriching for you because you're going to have people that will reach out to you and say, hey, this really resonated with me. Teach me. I, I, I want to know how to do what you're doing. The other thing that it does is that it makes everyone around you better. It will get more attention on the charity. It will get more attention on the work. So your impact, your strength, your superpower is something that can be exponentially amplified and you can be the catalyst for that. And I think that's a big, it's a big responsibility, but it's also an awesome, awesome uh, opportunity. I love that. Amplify your purpose because when you share it, somebody out there is going to go, I should be doing that too. And guess what? Now you've got two hands. 
And now if there's a third, three hands instead of one hand. So I'm going to flip this on you, Jim and Steve. By not sharing this with other people, you are being selfish and you are trying to hog all the glory for yourself. That's what you're doing. (laughs) So stop. Open up. Tell everyone what you're doing so other people get the great idea that they should be doing what you're doing and helping other people. And the more hands we get into every project that's a worthwhile project, the better for the whole world. Um, And it doesn't matter what what that project is as long as it's something that's good and worthwhile. So amplify your purpose by Carson Hetty. That's what you should do. Thank you, Carson. That was beautiful. Thank you, Pete. I I love that you said it that way because I think that's where when you think about the holistic lens by which you can apply your superpowers, it's one thing to be successful, right? It's one thing to have a, a positive transaction or you know a positive relationship, but how can you help influence others to do what you've done um, or just help empower others to do what you've done? And think about that because it, it unlocks a world of possibilities. Speaking of unlocking endless possibilities, I think that we would be remiss if I and I'm going to start. Thank you, Carson. Thank you for writing these books. Thank you for re- not. You know, it's one thing to open up your mind and empty it. It's another thing to share your heart with people. And uh, in your books, you share your heart and your mind both. And that can be a very scary thing to do and not enough of us do it. So thank you. And, you know, there's a big holiday that happens at the end of this month. It's called Thanksgiving. And one of my wishes every Thanksgiving is that it would be Thanksgiving every day because until you're thankful for everything that you have, and have been given, you close the door on lots of possibilities. And when you are genuinely open with your heart, open with your mind, and truly thankful for what you have, even if it's not everything that you want, then the possibilities are just absolutely endless. So I wanted to say thank you. And what are your thoughts on thankfulness? Oh God, that's pure poetry, Pete. I I think thankfulness comes in 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 all shapes and sizes. There's the obvious ones. I mean, you know, being thankful for what you have and family and friends and loved ones and career, et cetera. But there's also being thankful for those those failures, those life lessons, those things that you were able to grow from. We can only do so much. We control the controllables, right? I'm I'm a big believer in people and process relationships and resources. And I'm so thankful for the opportunities that I've gotten, even over the years where I've failed, failed, messed up, made mistakes, um, and then been able to learn from those so I could see around corners the next time that I was encountering the same situations. So, um, you know, those are things that I'm really thankful for. Um, You know, just people, the opportunities to connect with people all over the world. And I have to remind 
myself and and others. Look, I'm just a small town Midwest U.S. person guy. I I have no. There's no reason why I should have some of the things that I have, but I've worked hard, and I'm very thankful for finding and and you know people around me that I can gravitate toward that have been positive influences, mentors. Um, if you go out and you seek out relationships and you invest, um, sometimes blindly um, invest with value in those relationships, you'll be very surprised at what will come your way. But you'll have a lot to be thankful for. We come into this, you know, into this life with uh, you know some some talents and some abilities, and figure out not only how can you use those abilities to uh, do your best and succeed, but also how can you parlay those abilities into wins for other people. And if you do that, believe me, you'll have a lot to be thankful for. I know I do. Thank you for that. You just tripped me right into the next thing that I have to, especially for my young store owners out there and my young reps. And let me say something to you, young reps out there. Uh, I understand that you know that you have a lot to learn, but that doesn't mean that uh, you don't have anything to give. What you can give to us old guys, let me tell you what you can give. Give me an ear. Give me an ear. I would love to talk to you. I would love to mentor you. And one of the things that I was really good at, and I was lucky uh, because I spent a lot of time with my grandfather growing up and I learned to listen and I learned how to ask questions and it was a very important part. And so when I got thrust into this thing called selling, which I wanted nothing to do with, which is another story for another time. I had to learn quickly how to sell. And my greatest mentors were store owners. I told them, I told them, and, and I'm, if you're a young rep, throw yourself on the mercy of the court and tell them, I don't know what to do. I'm brand new. Look at me. I'm 25 years old. I, what should I do? And shut up and they will tell you and they will become your mentor. And remember the thing I was talking about, be friends with your competitors. Some of the older reps taught me so much, taught me so much in literally two or three minutes were passing and they would say something. It's just like, that's gold. I'd get back in my car. I'd write it down. There are mentors everywhere. And you just need to, to acknowledge them. Your mentors are your customers. Your mentors are your competitors. Think about this world a little bit differently and open yourself up to learning. And it's a majestic world out there. And, and I have to tell you, thank you again, Carson, for this. I watched your interview with Mike Weinberg. And it was magical. Two dudes who are both great at sales and one might be just a hair further along on in his path, but not much, not much. And you were like a you were like a kid in a candy store, but so was Mike. So was Mike. And and, and I love Mike. I call him Mr. Blunt. And he is. He's just but you know, these things that we're talking about, thankfulness and mentors, Mike, 
passionately believes in. And actually, I'm having him on for our Thanksgiving edition on the 22nd. Um, so I am so pumped and excited about that. But what you and Mike did on that podcast was an absolute gift. It was beautiful. And, and it was really modeling this idea of thankfulness and mentors in live right there. It was, it was, it was special. It really was. How did you feel after that? Did you realize what you had just done? I love that. Yeah. I mean, it's, so I can't really think about some of those types of conversations much going in. Cause I would probably get nervous and, and uh, you know, spiral out of control. Right. But I think what's amazing to me, Pete is just being in, having the ability to have a voice in this ecosystem, this sales ecosystem that's been so good to me, you couldn't have hit it better on the mentorship side. These mentors are going to come from everywhere. And the best thing you can do is ask for advice, ask for guidance, even especially when it's with your customers. Um, I told you a few weeks about, a few weeks back, I've got a picture on my wall up here that's from the color of money. And um, that for me, go out and see it if you haven't seen it. It, that for me is like the ultimate mentor picture uh, because you've got Paul Newman, who's the hustler from the fifties and sixties. And, you know, he is trying to get back. Um, he's, he's kind of wooed back, lured back into this realm um, by a young whippersnapper, you know, Vincent. Uh, yes, it's, there's a, a coincidence as to why the names are what they are in the book and the movie. Um, but he's kind of lured back into this realm, but it shows the perfect compare contrast. You know, the, the mentor has something to offer, uh, but they need that relationship with the younger folks and the younger folks need the, uh, the seasoned veterans to, uh, to help guide and coach and, and uh, kind of mold them into the masterpiece that they can be. If I didn't, if there was one piece of advice I could have given myself, even as a young whippersnapper, it would have been, um, your network is your net worth. How can you invest in relationships and people? So, you know, when I get to spend time with Mike or uh, you or Jeb Blunt or Jeffrey Gittimer or anybody, I think at the end of it, it's, I can't believe that I've gotten the opportunity to do this, but it's only happened because I've asked, because I've reached out and asked for time or asked to develop a conversation or a relationship, asked for guidance, asked for feedback, and it's turned into something magical. Anybody could do it. Anybody can do it as long as they're willing to learn, they're willing to put the work in, and they're open to it, and they're thankful for what they have. And you know what? It almost sounds like a paradox, right? Be thankful for what you have, even when what you have isn't everything that you want, right? That's paradoxical, but it doesn't take too long in this world um, to even if you don't have everything that you want to realize that you've got a lot and you have more available to you uh, than ever before. Um, good advice is literally high gents embrace positive risk. Yes, I agree with that. And, and so does, so does Carson and so does his, uh, uh, his character, Vincent. Um, this has been an absolute treat, Carson. I could go on for hours and hours, and I won't do that to you. You're too busy. Uh, we, we probably could. No, I'm kidding. We de definitely need a return engagement. Pete, every time I talk to you, I just get invigorated um, because I love the passion that you bring, but it's so genuine and authentic, and I think that's the key differentiating element. Be genuine. Be authentic. There's Pat Tenney right there. Patrick, Pat we love you.
We were just talking about you. Your ears were probably burning, Mr. Tenney. We love you. We both love you. Giving you rave reviews. Buy the bonus round today if you're watching. Yes. Yeah. Uh, buy but- the bonus round. Buy Perpetual Hunger and buy Yes, the negotiating book. It's wonderful. All good stuff. And buy number four. I have an ongoing joke with with him. He, I said, so when is uh, number four coming, Pat? And he said, oh, I'm, 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 I'm done. I said, no, you're not. You're, you're not even close to done, Pat. I said I was done after three. So <laughs> he's not done. He's not done. And so when he he writes these long posts in LinkedIn, I always say four. And the reason I'm saying four is this is going to be part of number four. So, Pat, thank you for being here. And if you go back earlier, we were giving you all kinds of compliments, knowing that you weren't here. <laughs> I'm never going to let you. Listen, I think God put us together, Pat, so that I would just bully you into writing number four. I really did. I, I'm going to join just, that camp. I'm going to join that camp. Yeah, well, you're guy go for number five now, dude. So Carson, it's in motion. It, it's in motion. It's percolating. So the number five, when it comes out, will be called the show must go on. The show must go on. I want to help promote that book. The yeah, show it, must it's really, go on. And Pete, it's about what we're dealing with right now. It's, it's how do you continue to bring yourself back day after day, uh, especially when you've got like this Groundhog Day environment in a pandemic of, you know, I'm coming into my home office and I'm doing some of the same things every day. Or uh, when I'm facing a lot of these setbacks or challenges or tough times in general, how do I continue to bring myself back, reinvent myself? Um, Because as sellers, we're always on that stage. The show must go on. Yeah. They do. They do. Um, So my second book is called Renegade Rep. I just haven't finished writing it yet. It's, it's all the crazy stuff that I've done over the years. And uh, you guys are very ill. Yes, we are. I know. Extremely. Extremely. (laughs) That's why this, that's why we subject ourselves to comments like that. (laughs) That's right. That's right. I want you to have the happiest Thanksgiving of you've ever had, Carson. And I want you to stay in touch with me because I am extremely invigorated right now. And uh, whenever we talk, that happens. And we've only talked, uh, I think, twice now, maybe three times. Um, there's so much uh, more for you to give. You're gonna, you're gonna be up there with Jeb, thirteen books some, from some your mouth to God's years. ears. That's yes. No, you are. I just see you're, it's there. It's uh, you and Vincent are on fire, buddy. So, and whatever it is, the journey is what there is to be thankful for. It's the opportunity to have, I would never have had conversations like this if it hadn't been for the books. You know, I wrote one years ago, obviously haven't sold enough to retire, but it unlocked relationships that I never would have had. Otherwise it got me to where I am in my career. It amplified my personal brand and it enabled me to have conversations with people all over the world about what I love. I couldn't, I couldn't have more. Boy, I could really use a, a, another hour to go into personal branding, but we've got to go. Carson, thank you. This has been an absolute treat for me and have a happy Thanksgiving and uh, come, come back on soon. Uh, you listen, the show must go on. You have to come back and promote the book. Anytime, Pete. Thank you so much. Thank you. 
Take care. You too.